You're listening to the Elvis Ultimate Fan Channel Podcast, the channel that is devoted 100% to the life and career of the biggest selling recording artist of all time, with your host, Steve Francis. Hello and welcome once again to Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel. A few months ago, I interviewed Mike Stone about his upcoming book. Mike is a martial artist, actor, author and motivational speaker. During the 1970s, he was in a relationship with Priscilla Presley. Following that interview, Mike felt there were a few errors that he would like to correct. I also wanted to give him the chance to respond to some of the comments made by listeners of that interview. Mike also agreed to answer further questions about his relationship with Priscilla. Mike joins me on the line now. Hi, Mike, and welcome back to Elvis, the Ultimate Fan Channel. It's great to speak to you again. Thank you very much, Steve. It's a joy to be here. Um, everybody's well over there, hopefully? Yes, everybody's doing very well. We're quite blessed uh, because we live on a little island, so we're not exposed too much to a lot of different people. That uh, And, of course, we... Uh, they tapered off the the traveling between islands. So yeah, we we've been very protected. So we're blessed that way. Thank you. I wish I could come and actually visit you, me and my family. We'd feel a lot safer <laughs> than we do we do in Ireland anyway. Yeah, I think so. Um, let me just explain to our listeners why we're doing this second interview. You wanted to address some of the errors that you felt uh, crept into the first interview we did a few months ago. Uh, yes, uh, but the. Yes, there's errors both on my part as well as as well as the media and the tabloids and uh, just the fans maybe being misinformed through the through the media and through the the gossip columns. Yeah, I'd like to clear up several issues. Okay, well, where where would you like to start? Where would you like to begin? Well, one of the things I wanted to clear up were, were statements that I had made. Actually, I'm not. I am concerned, obviously, what people think, but mm-hmm. um, there were things that I said that after the, the first interview, I had gone back to really check on the chronological order of which I was making some statements. And at that time, I was just talking without really um, um, having any chronology reference uh, to the past about things I was explaining. So I wanted to, I felt bad about that because uh, I think, people did make some comments about, well, if it happened then or he met her twice already and how come he couldn't recognize her and there were some issues like that. So I did have to stop and and go back. It, it was confusing. I had seen her several times but not actually met her. So I had uh, cleared it up in my own mind. And by doing that, I actually cleared up a lot of other questions I, I had had about the, the start of our relationship. Okay. Um, so is, is there anything, anything in, in that springs to mind that you want to put straight? Yeah, the, the, I, I think I, I had said in the, the first interview that um, I had physically bumped into Pris, uh, Priscilla. Or actually, Priscilla bumped into me at a, at a tournament of a friend of mine. Uh, I think the tournament it was at Balsa Grande uh, High School in Orange County. And... Um, uh, that was, I had asked a friend of mine who actually was involved in producing that particular event, and that was on May 15, 1971. Okay. So already, uh, I had not had a relationship with her, and that's the first time 
I actually had contact with her was at that event, and even at that event, I never actually talked to her. I was not introduced to her at that time, but that was in 1971, about the middle of the year. Then um, there was an, another time that I had, just for a few seconds, met her at backstage uh, to an Elvis concert at the Hilton Hotel. And after that performance, we had gone backstage to meet Elvis, and I had just Again, briefly, we had just met and talked, and Priscilla was introduced, no handshake, nothing, just hi, and that's about it. And she turned and left the room, and uh, Phil Spector, myself, and a couple other people were uh, continued to talk to Elvis. So that was the second time. Then I, I remember that at the International Karate Tournament, uh, Ed, uh, Elvis's karate instructor, Ed Parker, uh, I believe it was now 1971, uh, probably in August, because that's normally the month that the internationals is um, sponsored. So at that one, I made a comment that um, someone had introduced either Chuck Norris or a guy named Alan Steen when we were seated uh, alongside the platform that the people were fighting on. And we had Priscilla and I both from about maybe 20 feet apart with people in between us, leaned forward to look when somebody said, Mike, I want you to meet Priscilla. So that was a meeting, uh, an introduction. And then at the end of that evening, I talked about uh, a guy named Dick Dale, a, a guy that had a, a rock group called the Deltones. Mm -hmm. And we had, had a conversation about his lions, his lions, because he had a facility that he could uh, have them. And that we had talked for a few minutes there, and Priscilla just walked into our conversation and just started talking. And everybody was kind of surprised that she just walked right in without uh, really saying anything and then started talking and making conversation. And then when she had left, um, she was quite some distance away when uh, Jerry Schilling and Nora uh, uh, took her home. And she had stopped at the end of the, the entrance to the arena and yelled back to me, uh, good night, Mr. Stone, something like that. So, mm -hmm. uh, so we had talked then, so we had met. And there was now, um, when she had started to take karate lessons, this was maybe the very early part of um, 1972, when she was taking lessons at Chuck Norris's karate school in Sherman Oaks, California. And I had visited Chuck's school all the time with his working outs and the, the people. And in that particular evening's class, uh, Priscilla was there to take the class. And then that's when we had actually gone out after the class to a, a Polynesian-type uh, bar restaurant and had a drink and had conversation. And that's when she had asked about my phone number and if I was teaching karate and where I was and I said that I was in Orange County and it's quite a long way for her to drive and she said she has to bring somebody because she's never driven on the freeway by herself before and um, so it was after that time that she did call uh, maybe a couple weeks later and I had um, talked with her a few minutes and she had wanted to come down and Nora I think drove with her the first time she visited my karate school and then shortly after that, she started to uh, to take lessons. And after, I think Nora lived in 
Memphis. I think you said something about a guy named Fike. Yes, Nora was uh, actually uh, uh, Lamar Fike's wife. Yeah, one of Elvis's men. Yes. So at the time that I had met her when she was with Priscilla, she was obviously in Los Angeles. And yep. then um, uh, after after coming several times with with um, her and Joni or somebody bringing her, then she finally knew her way how to get there. And it's quite a long drive. It's about, oh, I would say 55 miles from uh, Huntington Beach where I was to Beverly Hills where she lived. So it was quite a drive for her to make on her own. But she started attending classes and on a very regular basis. When I say regular, I mean, you know, four or five times a week. So, And so that's the timeline I wanted to have corrected because I felt bad that I was talking about the different things and they seemed confused because of the timeline. And oh. the very first time that she had seen me compete was at the Hawaii event that Ed Parker sponsored which was the mainland versus Hawaii team championships in Hawaii and Elvis and her had attended that event, but they had left a, a few minutes early because of the rush. They would have been swamped by people if they had stayed until the event was over. So they left a few minutes before. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I never met her or talked to her at the time, but, and that was even before uh, these time periods I'm talking about. Some fans accuse you of being a homewrecker, stealing another man's wife, and leaving your wife and children to set up an apartment with Priscilla. Have you any answer to that? Well, yes, of course I have an answer. I don't know if the people want to hear it, but I can I can say what I truly believe happened and what, what took place. I don't know who some Elvis fans are, because that's what you just said, some Elvis fans, and I don't know who they are that you said accuse me. Mm. Mm. of being a homewrecker. So I have to I have to take that basic idea, like who are these people accusing me of wrecking someone's home and the idea of me stealing another man's wife. Well, anybody with any common sense, if it's, well, it's they call it common, but apparently it's not so common to be <laughs> have some wisdom. But you cannot steal another person. I cannot steal anybody's wife. Or Priscilla if you want to turn it around, did not steal me from my family. So I don't think that's possible. I think people are, are at a particular time in their lives, both Priscilla and I was at that time, that my married life wasn't going well at all, even before I even met her, because my whole life I've been a very motivated person, uh, wanting to excel, succeed in business, and that's what I started doing with doing the karate schools. And so that took about about a 12-hour time from 10 o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night to do most of the teaching. That's when we actually finished. And then I was attending weekends all the time, different tournaments that either I was sponsoring or I would attend events other friends of mine were sponsoring so that it was like you scratch my back, I scratch yours. So I was sponsoring quite a few activities. And of course, many people came to support me. So whenever they sponsored something, I would actually have to go to support them. And that took nearly every weekend during the course of a year. I mean, if there's 52 weekends a year, I would say at least 40 of a year is taken up going to different events or sponsoring my own. So there was a, a time thing too, and I was motivated to do that. So that kind of ruined 
my marriage, and I'll be the first to admit I was definitely not the best husband anywhere near that, or a good father. So, um, but things happen, and it happened for both of us at the same time, which allowed an opportunity for us to get together. And you cannot steal anyone. People have to go, and for their own reasons, they have to go. So it's not for me to judge why people choose to make decisions the way they do, but that's also life. The people that are accusing or making comments like that, I, th I think they should just stop for a moment and take a look at their own life instead of being so preoccupied with what other people are doing. I think if you take care of your own self first, okay. I think maybe that's the best suggestion I have. So that would be my answer to that. Very good. Very good. There's another one that I see on occasion, and I hope you can maybe clear this up as well, because I'm pretty fed up of seeing it without knowing the true answer behind it. Uh, again, um, they, they say yes. that you tried to prevent Elvis from seeing Lisa Marie by pre uh, preventing her from visiting Graceland. Have you have you ever well, have you ever heard that? There one? have been a lot of a lot of things. Yes, no. Well, there's been a lot of things said like that, but that has to be one of the most dumbest things I've ever heard. Because, um, why would I want to prevent her from seeing her father when I have girls myself? I would. Would I want somebody to prevent my daughters from seeing me? Of course not. A man of Elvis's stature and status. Do you think he would allow it anyway? In fact, what power do I have? over Priscilla. What kind of a mother would Priscilla be if she would allow me to interfere with her daughter being able to see her father? I'm, this is so ludicrous. I mean, you can call me anything that you want, but to prevent Elvis, I could never do that. To prevent Lisa from seeing her father, never. I would never do that. Great. So, no. Great, great. I mean, at last I've got to the bottom of that by asking the person that's being accused of of you know what what they're accusing you of so for <laughs> i think yeah. the, i think the word you used was ludicrous so um that that's the answer well, to that one that's that's nice it's the nicest word i could use yeah yes yes okay um uh, other people accuse you of making money out of elvis by uh doing books and so forth uh what do you, ah, what, do you yes, think, what, yes. what do you think of yes. that? But the idea about me making money off of um, off of Elvis's name, for example, that is really not true. Now, I did an article, or I did um, what was it? An interview. I think for a, a thing called Globe, or is that correct? You know, one of the um, uh, uh, those ma magazines, the things you pick up at the counter. Oh yeah, yeah, things like National Enquirer um, and things like that. Uh, yeah, right. Yes. Well, it was one of those. I did one. But I think I read somewhere that I had done this. And as a result of doing it, that was why Priscilla and I broke up. In other words, I had, while we were together, apparently from some people believing that I had done this article and as a result of it was the cause of Priscilla and I breaking up. First of all, not true. After Priscilla and I did break up, I was... Uh, confronted or asked by several of those publications to do an article. And my initial reason is the same reason now, 50 years later, I will answer the same way. At that time, there were so many non-truths 
said about me, the relationship, and everything else, I had wanted to tell my side of the story, as I do now. That's why I'm doing this yeah. more than about the book I'm writing. So to do that, I did accept um, a offer by one of the tabloids to tell my story. And I think there was something else said that the amount of money that I was paid was something like maybe eight or $10,000, not sure at all. Apparently, they had offered me, I didn't ask for any money, they had offered to pay me $3,000 because that was what they said, a standard fee to pay anyone that would do an article similar to this. So I didn't ask for the money, they gave it, I took it. So this was not about Elvis, this was with Priscilla and I. So made money off of Elvis, because I said anything about us or write a book or anything, never, never. Now let me explain a little bit more. When the article came out, I was so angry at how they twist and turned and made this thing so not true that I think the title of it was The Man Who, and it was in a quote as if I said it, that I bragged about stealing Priscilla from Elvis. Not true at all. But they took the things that I had said, turned it around, and I know why they do it. I'm wise enough now. At the time, I wasn't. But it's to sell more magazines, and they don't care who they hurt. They don't care who else is involved. They, this is what they do. That's their business, to create chaos, conflict, questioning. So when I read it, I made up my mind to never, never do another article. Now let's continue with answering your question. It has been approximately 50 years since this happened, and since the relationship, since she uh, divorced Elvis, since Elvis passed away, since all of this has happened in the last 50 years, find me one book with my name on it. Find me one interview that I had done in the past 50 years if money was my motivation. Now let me explain. Many years just after Elvis had passed away, I was approached by Random House. Are you familiar with the publication? I know them, yes, I do. Okay, Random House contacted me that they wanted me to do a book on my relationship with Priscilla. So I had several friends in the movie industry that are in, um, uh, what do you call the people that write books? Uh, literary agents. Mm -hmm. So another, a producer friend of mine gave me a name of an agent that he uses and said that um, maybe you should take somebody to represent or to go with you. So I had gone to New York, spent a couple days there, and prior to that, we had a week or so before that we had to put together a series of chapters about what the book might be about. So we went to New York, we spent a couple days there, we had presented our outline of the chapters I was going to do, and they came back to me and said, that there was one chapter in which they were especially interested in me writing about. And it was about our sexual and romantic relationships. Now I talked to the agent that was with me and we discussed it before we went in the next day and I said, I will never do that, never. Now I was offered a couple hundred thousand dollars as advanced money on royalties I was offered I could go anywhere on the planet for 30 days with a writer of my choice to write the story of this idea they wanted. 
and that it would be a deal breaker if I didn't write a chapter on our sexual and romantic relationships. So I simply went into the meeting and I thanked the gentleman very much and I said, we have a deal breaker. I will never talk about my private life like that. And we walked out and went back. So if you're talking about how much money I could have made, this was after Elvis's death, which is what, in the 1970s? Mm -hmm. So I could have made a lot of money. But have you seen a book of the hundreds that have been written about Elvis and Priscilla in the last 50 years? Where is my greed that I'm going to write a book about my relationship? Show me one book. So I think I've answered your question. You certainly have. I just want to go back to what you said at the beginning about how uh, papers and the media and so forth, you know, twist things around and they don't care who they hurt and so forth. They continue to do that to this very day. You know, you, you say they were doing it in the 70s. They continue to do it today, don't they? Yes, that's their business. I mean, they cannot have a business if they're not making everything a controversy or creating so much untruth in what they're writing about. But, you know, yes, by I have learned a lot since then because I was directly involved long, 50 years ago. So in the last 50 years, that's why I haven't done any, because after I did the first one and I saw what they did and how they turned everything around and made me so horrible, and none of it was true. Now, they can take a basic truth and weave it, and by the time they're finished with it, it's the most outrageous lie on the planet. But they don't care about your reputation, who you are, what you do. They don't care. This is what they do. And unfortunately, a lot of people actually lap it up. If it's written down in a newspaper, then it must be true. Well, the, the thing of it is, I, I think we have to stop and, and be a little bit more consciously aware of human nature, how people really are. And what people lap up about it, as you say, is it's so much easier to look at someone else's life that's not going well, that it's in the newspapers, and they talk about all the trashy things, and it's nice to do that because maybe your life is actually like that. It may be even worse than what you're reading. So it makes you feel pretty safe and secure to know, well, my life isn't that bad because look at the things they're actually writing about these stars, these celebrities, and just destroying them. There's and for you, just as a, a fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say um, there's an old saying that uh, we make you and we can break you. Yes. You know, they, they build you up to knock you down. Yes. So, you know, and I'm sure the people, the people that I have met in that business, that especially some of the writers, I've met a couple of them, and they don't seem to be very nice people to begin with. You can just see in their eyes, you can hear the tone of their voice when they ask you questions, that they are really resentful and vindictive, even in the way they approach to write a story that supposedly they want to write the truth. But they don't want to do that. They ask you the most outrageous questions, very personal questions, and almost put you in a corner that you get so angry at the questions, you just want to bop them on the head. You know, it's like, God, why? how can you ask that? You have to be very well restrained, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, for me, sometimes in the past, it wasn't so easy to do, but now it's okay. Well, you see, they know that scandal and dirt and, and stuff like that sells, you know, unfortunately, that's what people want, don't they? They want dirty details. They don't want the nice stuff, unfortunately. Yes. Yeah. Uh, um, there's another one, uh, a question. Um, was there sure. uh, was there a particular reason why you and Priscilla parted or was it just a, a, a growing apart? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's the very same reason that uh, we got together and that we had separated from our spouses for whatever reason. And um, when it when we had, I think in all relationships, a lot of things, one of the things I have learned about romantic relationships is that we never tell the truth in the very beginning of a romantic relationship. So what we do though is we create an assumption that when we have this relationship that what is not said is assumed. So you have expectations in a relationship about the person you're getting involved with. You expect them to behave and treat you a certain way and they expect that but these expectations about what you want or need from another person is never actually said, it's not spoken to each other before the relationship starts. About what, most people enter a relationship thinking what they can get out of it, like what's in it for me. So when they look at the other person, they're already calculating how can I manipulate and get what I want and need, whether it's love, attention, respect, I'm lonely, whatever their reasons are, they never say that. So you get into the relation having an expectation of what you want, but not thinking about what will I contribute to the relationship. That means when I get involved, I should not be f so focused on what I'm going to get for it, but who am I in participating? Well, how can I contribute to the relationship to make it work? So the fact that both people enter into it for what they want and need, this is how they approach it, and not how they will contribute to the success, the happiness, the joy of the relationship, then it's doomed for failure. And that is why, the, I mean, you know, when America went from, uh, when I was a child, that you marry somebody and it'll be forever and live happily ever after, to the 70s and 80s where everybody on the planet was getting a divorce. So what happened? What were the expectations that you said, well, let's stay together because of the children? Mm -hmm. Do you think the children are stupid? Do you think the children don't have feelings? Do you think they cannot sense that neither party is happy? But they make the excuse and they lie even to, the, to themselves and to each other by saying, well, let's stay in it for the good of the children. That's a lie. Mm. You're staying in it to save your own reputation and your own face at the detriment of your children. They will suffer because of it. But you have to protect your name, your reputation. Let's stay together for the kids. What a bunch of crap that is. But they've used that for so many years. Obviously, you and Priscilla would have discussed and talked about Elvis. A lot of people say that Elvis uh, and Priscilla never stopped loving each other. Would you say that would be correct, even after the divorce, even after the marriage broke down? Would you say that they still loved each other? Yes, of course. I believe that. Yeah, well, Steve, I cannot answer that. Please, I think you're asking the wrong person. You can't ask Elvis, but you can probably ask Priscilla. I will never answer that question. I have no right to do that. My suspicion is, by talking with Priscilla, because I never talked to Elvis about it, Okay. but maybe his actions and behavior in his way proved that he did love her and did love her until the end. I don't know that that's true, so I'm not going to answer his question. But the conversations I've had with Priscilla... I think she was always honest with me in saying that, yes, yeah, she will always love him. And I have no problem with that. Mm. And I, I respect her for doing that and for saying that. So I cannot answer his side of it. 
and the discussions I've had with Priscilla about Elvis is really still, with all courtesy to you, it's none of your business either. Yeah. Well, you say you can't answer that question, but you have. You, you, you have provided me with an answer, and that's, that's very fair of you to do that. Well, I don't know if it's fair or not, but it's the truth, mm. and it's only from one side. It's only from Priscilla's perception. Yeah. People want to know, uh, do you still have contact with Priscilla or Lisa Marie? Ah, uh, no, I do not. No, and and for the obvious reasons that when we left or when we parted ways, it was very good. That there was no anger, no hostility, no jealousy, no yelling and screaming, and we did it in a gradual way. So it wasn't an abrupt stop. Even after we had separated, when I had actually moved to Las Vegas, she still contacted me a couple times while I was in Vegas. So even though we had separated for six, eight months after the separation, we still were in communication. Now, one of the reasons I wanted to leave, I think I mentioned the last time, which may sound strange, but I was never happy the four years I was with her. Now, when I say that, I have to quantify it. So uh, was I happy with her? Definitely. What I was not happy about was the people around us, the type of people that were around us were, oh, let's lunch, give me your number, I'll talk to you, you call me, I call you. I really have never been comfortable with that atmosphere. So I think Priscilla wanted to pursue that, and she did. And she was tougher than I was because she could be in that environment and it was okay. I didn't like it at all. I did not like any part of my four years with her where it had to do in Hollywood, in Beverly Hills, in listening to people say how wonderful they are, how, how nice they are, how talented they are, how gifted they are, how brilliant they are. It's just so much garbage. I could not really continue that relationship. But Priscilla, with her, no problem. She is wonderful. She is talented. Uh, she is a great mother. She still loved Elvis. So, uh, I mean, if you can find anywhere that I said anything bad about her, in fact, see if you can find anything she's ever said negative about me. I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that Priscilla wrote something bad about you. So if fans are interested and they take the time to research and find out these things over the past 50 years, maybe they, don't, they can find out without asking some of these dumb questions. Um, I've been researching, reading, watching for over 50 years, and I haven't seen anything uh, negative or bad from either side, from you or Priscilla. Yeah, because for me, there's nothing ever bad to say about him. She was wonderful. I enjoyed, it was a wonderful experience. I learned so much. So I have a lot to, to thank and be appreciative of the relationship we did have. Okay, um, I'd like to, I mean, we, we've, we've um, been talking a lot about so many negative things that came from the first interview but I would like to mention uh, some of the comments that I have uh, noted down here from uh, people and it says Mike Stone comes across very well likable honest and respectful he sounds like a good guy that was one of the comments left on the first interview also I like Mike Stone's wisdom no finger pointing he has great discipline and understanding is, is your head getting bigger there Mike <laughs> not at all I, I, I appreciate the comment uh, you know I, I cannot I cannot say 
uh, that I feel good about that because it, that's how somebody feels. I appreciate that, but I don't appreciate other things people are saying, fans as well, mm. that are very negative and untrue. So if I'm going to accept the glory, I have to accept the criticism. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's another one so here. I appreciate uh, uh, it says, yeah. uh, sh uh, shame that Mike got all the backlash and bad views pressed without the other side of the story. And Mike sounds like a really good person, so intelligent, articulate and down to earth. So I just wanted to read out a few of those just to give you balance more than anything else, you know, to let everybody know it wasn't yeah. all it wasn't all bad. You know, not, not everybody thinks yeah. not everybody thinks that you're the criminal here, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, how is the book progressing? Oh, well, since we uh, last talked, actually quite uh, quite exciting things have happened. When I, I think I initially talked with you back in October or so, um, I was writing the autobiography myself. And boy, do I respect writers. <laughs> it is so hard to do. It's not easy, so, is it? <laughs> No, it is. It is not. I give the. They deserve every penny they get when they have to sit down and do this. And I did it for a short time, about a month and a half. And my God, it is hard work. <laughs> um, about about a month or so after uh, we had talked, I got a call from a, a gentleman, a writer from Los Angeles named uh, Blake uh, Chavez, and he has written uh, several other books. Uh, so he had asked if if I would be interested in him writing my biography. So we talked a little bit, and he gave me some references on several books that he had written. And so I checked on the books. I, I looked at the books. I read a couple of them. Uh, I like the fact that he likes to write books about athletes. So he wrote about Jerry Corey, who was a, a heavyweight boxing contender back during the time of Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. He's written about a lady named uh, Holly Holmes. She is a world champion in boxing as well as a UFC fighter. Uh, she knocked out uh, Ronda Rousey, I believe, the first time she's ever been knocked out with a kick. Uh, so he wrote a book about her. Then he co-authored a book with another gentleman named Steve Springer, who is well-known, I think, in the for athletes in Los Angeles area and has written books. And it was a book about this Mr. Harris, who was the captain of a ship called the Northwestern that is on a television series in a history channel called um, Dangerous, Dangerous Catch, something like that. So I had looked at those things and the things that he had done, and I liked the way he talks. I, I, I respect him very much for his uh, coming to my rescue by offering to write the biography. So we are well on our way. We've had several very long uh, Zoom conversations on the phone, three or four hours at a time. Uh, he is putting together several chapters, again, for a teaser to agents that would take it to publishers. So I feel very good about it. First of all, I'm not doing all the hard work, but uh, over the past 25 or 30 years, I spent a lot of time writing a lot of notes. So I've given him quite a lot of volumes of things over the last 25 years I've written about my life, which has made it easy for him because I've wrote it out quite detailed, explaining the different relationships and people and things I've done. So I think he's appreciative of the fact that he doesn't have to start from scratch. So 
the book's going very good. Thank you so much for asking. And of course, a lot of people will, will wonder when it's going to be ready for publication. You probably don't know that yet. It's probably still too early to tell us, is it? Yes, I don't. I don't know that answer. Uh, yeah, I just when I something triggered in my mind when you just said that uh, about the book. I want people to understand also, if I may, that the book I'm writing is not about me, Elvis, and Priscilla. I want them. It'll be a small part of my life. The book is about my entire life from the time I was a child, through my life, and through all the things I've experienced and done. So the book is not about me, Priscilla, and Elvis. But they have been a very important, although short period of relationship in my life. Nonetheless, it's been a very powerful experience. So I've learned a lot. Uh, I appreciate all the people I've met and done through their relationship and through meeting and having uh, a time with them. But the four or five years that I spent with Priscilla, and not meeting Elvis really, actual meeting him only about four or five times. Uh, I cannot say I was Elvis's good friend, so people accuse me of being disloyal, mm. and it's hard to be disloyal to someone you hardly know. Um, so the book I'm writing, in it there will be a small part of it. It's not, I'm not dedicating a chapter to that relationship, but. There is a part of the book that obviously, since it was a part of my life, I will I will speak about it honestly and openly. So I just want the fans to, to understand that the book I'm writing is not about them and me. It's about my life. And I think I have the right to do that without having to explain away. Yeah, well, I remember seeing quite a few comments on the YouTube uh, video saying that they were looking forward to the book coming out and they would definitely buy it. So it's got a positive reaction. Yeah, we, we've already had quite a, a few people, over 150 people already ordered the book just by making a comment about it. So, And these are not necessarily Elvis fans. These are martial arts people as well. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So there'll be there'll be two two types of people, if you like, sort of interested in the book. There'll be the Elvis and Priscilla fans, the Mike Stone fans, martial art fans, and so forth. So it, it should you know it should have quite a wide audience. Well, actually, it it uh, it it had expanded when we talked about the the guy writing the book. He had received so much information from me that he said, "Would you consider doing two books?" And the first book would be a biography about your life. A little bit about your martial arts career, the movie career, the people you've met, celebrities and stuff. That would be the overall book of your life. But then I have a very specific part of my martial arts life that they think would warrant a separate book because in that book on the martial arts is where I really um, talk about developing this system of belief system which has to do with uh, what I call the life-changing experience. So in that martial arts book is really the program I am presently doing with students. That it's not about karate only, it's about making choices and changes in your life of being the very best person that you can be. So there probably will be a second book. And people can find you on Facebook uh, and so forth. I was watching some of your videos you did there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so if anybody's interested in, in that, they can find you on Facebook, can't they? Yes, uh huh. Yes, of course. And uh, you also can give me your um, email address as well for anybody who'd like to contact you. Uh, y yes, um, 
MS Warrior One, the number one at yahoo.com. Brilliant, brilliant. Okay, it's it's been a great pleasure speaking to you again, Mike. I, I always like um, I always appreciate your honesty and your positivity. Thank you. Yeah, but that's I think that's the biggest problem of people. The people can't be themselves because that's what they're trying to do throughout their life. They're trying to find out who they are. So this quest of seeking the self and to know thyself throughout their life, that is what they're occupying their time with, trying to figure out who they are. And in the process of doing that, they're just if they don't know if you don't know who you are, it's very difficult to be happy. Yes. Very difficult. Yes. You, so, you you have to be happy with yourself before you can be happy in your life, I believe. Yeah, everything everything really starts with you. I think with, with most people it's kind of a natural thing since we live in the physical world that our perception of life is simply that we're looking outside. So we're actually looking in the wrong direction. We look at what's happening in our life or what's happening that we look outside physically, visually, and all we see is a reflection of us. So that means we're looking in the wrong direction. If you want to find yourself, you have to look within yourself. You're not going to find yourself looking out and seeing a mirror image of your choices because the choices are normally not not the best choices you make. Yeah, we've all, I suppose, in our lives, we can all look back and think, well, maybe we shouldn't have done that. But, you know, it's knowing and learning from it. Yes, and I think that's the most difficult for for people because it's difficult to learn something that you become habitually about, like the way you think, act, behave, and express yourself. Those become habitual acts. That's why people keep making the same mistakes over and over again, and they hit themselves in the head. I say, what the hell did I do that for? Mm. I said, well, just wait a week. You're going to do it again. <laughs> so yeah. we don't we don't bother to really find out. We should learn from our mistakes, but we don't. That's because we don't know who we are. And in searching, if you're looking outside, really, it's going to be such a difficult task. I think 97% of the world's population will continually search their entire life and never find out who they are. And this is the sadness, I feel. Thanks a lot, Mike. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed this talk again. In Thank fact, you very in, much. In fact, so much that I, I hope that you'll join me again in, in the future to uh, talk more. Yes, I appreciate you also giving me the opportunity to share my my beliefs and understandings and thoughts. Thank you very much. Well, it's always when I see something written about you, um, some of those questions I fired at you today, I always think, well, I'd love to hear Mike's side of it because, you know, we're only hearing one side. So that's the reason why I'm doing it is I, I feel that you're entitled to give your own version of events. Well, that's all I've ever wanted from the very first interview I did that I got repercussions from it. But the only thing I've ever wanted to do was just to simply tell my side of the story and tell the truth. I have nothing to hide. Great. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. All the best to you. Have a happy new year. Thanks once again to Mike for coming on the show today and setting the record straight. Don't forget, if you want to contact Mike, you can email him on mswarrior1 at yahoo.com. You can contact me by email at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel at gmail.com and on Facebook and Twitter at ElvisTheUltimateFanChannel.
All my podcasts are available on all good podcast providers such as Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher and iHeartRadio to name just a few. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join me next time for another episode from Elvis the Ultimate Fan Channel podcast. <laughs>